0: we're listening to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast, where we explore traditional tabletop and live-action role-playing games through the lens of horror. A special thank you to our Patreons for helping make this podcast possible. Settle in, Bloods, grab a drink and your favorite set of dice, and let the darkness consume you. And now your hosts, Ian, Rick, and Mark.
1: Hello, good evening and welcome to the uh Gehenna Gaming podcast stream. Uh tonight we're going to be talking about an introduction to the fantastic horror tabletop game Call of Cthulhu, which is my personal favorite role-playing game. H.P. Lovecraft. Um, Call of Cthulhu is an interesting game. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to grab that one? So that so we've got the uh that what Marchosius is holding up is the um D20 conversion book. So you can run Call of Cthulhu as a D20 game. And what Deaf malkavian is holding up is the seventh edition Keeper's rule book, which oh look, I also have.
0: Ooh.
1: But mine has a bunch of bookmarks in it right now because I've been reading it today. Um I actually want to open this by reading an excerpt from one of my favorite uh it's actually a poem by HP Lovecraft. It'll set the tone um and and the, the kind of the uh give you that that real, that vibe that I really want to capture here with what we're talking about tonight so okay. uh let me put on my narrator voice
2: but before you do that we have to play some smooth jazz in the background so <laughs>
0: <laughs> what's the name of the poem uh
1: the po- it's nyarlathotep
0: ah uh, who's um, made a
2: uh, appearance in providence
1: <laughs> Not yet. Um, my cat's also going to rub his face on the book if I let him. No. Um, I'm going to actually read the end of the prose poem. So if if you don't want spoilers, I guess mute me for a minute. But <clears throat> narrator voice. Ew. Screaming sentient, dumbly delirious. Only the gods that were were can tell. A sickened, sensitive shadow writhing in hands that are not hands, and whirled blindly past ghastly midnights of rotting creation, corpses of dead worlds with sores that were cities, charnel wind that brush the pallid stars and make them flicker low. Beyond the world's vague ghosts of monstrous things, half-seen columns of unsanctified temples that rest on nameless rocks beneath space and reach up to dizzy vacua above the spheres of light and darkness and through this revolting graveyard of the universe the muffled maddening beating of drums and thin monotonous whine of blasphemous flutes from inconceivable unlighted chambers beyond time the detestable pounding and piping whereunto dance slowly awkwardly and absurdly the gigantic tenebrous ultimate gods, the blind, voiceless, mindless gargoyles whose soul is Nyarlat. I really hope me snapping that book close caught on my mic. Uh, so I, I've never
2: heard that one before.
1: Oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's a favorites. good one. It's you know, because I favorites. just
2: I just started reading his actual works, but uh mm-hmm. you know, much like the other episode where we read the beginning of Cult. It uh, it brings you somewhere awesome.
1: That's that's why I wanted to read it. Um yeah. it really brings to mind what I personally like to capture in Call of Cthulhu. There's an other other worldliness to it. There's an otherness to it. And and if anyone's really paying attention to Twitch chat, obviously we were talking about H.P. Lovecraft was a very problematic writer. Um, he's a there's a phrase the problematic favorite, um, and he's definitely my problematic favorite. Author, and that he was incredibly racist. He was a writing in the the twenties, thirties, and twenties and thirties, um, and you could say he's a product of his times, but it's still unacceptable, in my opinion. I mean, there's I need just, to i, I need he, to put
0: a i need to put a caveat onto that because I think it, it's it, it. I think it's important to understand that around around that time was very very problematic. But more importantly, he touches on a few things that. Probably shouldn't resonate now, but did at the time. Um, yes. Things like 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 extreme xenophobia. There was around the time that the uh, King Tut's tomb was being cracked open, so there was yep. a lot of fear of other cultures, and yep. there was a lot more of a, especially in New England, um, there was a lot more of a, a, a hyper religious, um, hyper Christian um, kind of feeling that that anything that wasn't of um, the, the Jude- particular you know, worldview. Right, it, yep. it was very different and bad. Um, I think it, yep. that now there there needs to be a little bit of cultural relativism, um, and an understanding that he, if he was writing the same stuff today, it would be extremely offensive and and would not resonate with us. But right. he's still so ingrained into our culture, um, with with Cthulhu. I mean, there's Cthulhu plushes and everything else. Um, right. that I I think that it's important to to just take a second and appreciate that though there are prob- problematic aspects of Lovecraft, um, that doesn't mean that you need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Ex- exactly. Um, to that point, he may
1: have had problematic viewpoints that I certainly do not agree with in any way, shape, or form. Anyone who knows me can elaborate on that. I'm not going to right sure. now. Um, without being the way he was, we wouldn't have gotten the type of horror that we got. He invented an entire genre of horror. Cosmic horror wouldn't exist without Lovecraft. It just wouldn't. No one else wrote in that way before him. And right. he inspired generations of writers, many of whom have become more uh, popular than he was. Yep.
0: And Neil Gaiman,
1: Stephen, or... Stephen King, Clive Barker, et etc., et cetera, et cetera. Yep he his fear his xenophobia is what inspired those stories so while i don't i don't you know it's not a good thing it inspired something that we can learn from
2: and um you know not being super familiar or uh, having read more than a couple of his short stories although i endeavor to read them all i so far have not seen any of his political or um more problematic views also over into his work range.
1: the uh the only one it comes out very clearly in is horror of red hook okay um that's the only one that it really comes out in
0: innsmouth innsmouth too uh, horror, uh the, it, it, was it the um yes
1: *Innsmouth*. it it does come out in um shadow over innsmouth
0: thank you shadow over innsmouth yeah it's it's particularly the way that he has certain descriptions is, is I think there's a couple of terms that are pretty offensive that he utilizes that weren't offensive at the time, um, yeah. especially with the descriptions of that insmouth look that I think he yeah. says over and over again. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Um. But it, it's the you utilizing the analog of you know otherworldly you know gods that have come here long ago to you know enslave the earth or destroy the earth, and there are groups of people that are coming together under cloak and dagger to worship these things and and yeah. you know welcome in the apocalypse like those are all analogs to you know fear of other cultures and and fear of people that are different from you um and where the inspiration comes from is not a good place um but the result is is interesting and i oh, think yeah. when you take it quite literally especially with call of cthulhu of actual <laughs> alien creatures that are taking over it's pretty it's pretty interesting um oh yeah yeah it's definitely it's,
1: it has an interesting flavor to it i think that it's hard for me to put this into the words that i want to say well i
2: feel like you guys um are obviously extremely knowledgeable about the man and the passion of his uh writing and aware and knowledgeable that he was a flawed person um i think the points have really been made <laughs> um could, no, I'm not saying that that,
1: but, thing. let's move let, on. Let's move on. Well, yeah. Yes, yes
2: and no, because we could have an entire podcast about Lovecraft oh, yeah. as a person. Um and it would be valid because he is an interesting yet controversial, yes. uh brilliant, flawed human being. Um yes. and you know, we can talk about this as long as you want. I don't mind, but uh we do but have a role playing game to look into. I'm
1: sorry uh no, you're right you're right um <laughs> we we will actually have that podcast at some point i would like to expound on some of the things yeah
2: that... and i think you guys made some fantastic points about uh <laughs> the, throwing the taking the baby not throwing up yeah not, yeah out it, water with uh, any with uh, the banana any... <laughs> i watched that so i'm just gonna to say silly things now
1: don't throw, don't throw the baby out with the pineapple um yeah. So, Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu is a tabletop role-playing game uh, invented in 1981 by Sandy Peterson, published by Chaosium. Um, It was created uh, originally as a supplement to Chaosium's basic role-playing system, so BRP, which it still uses today. And it's really influenced a really wide variety of games since then. So it's been around since 1981. It's older than me. <laughs> um, and me. And the, since then, it has a lot of offshoots. So you have the original Call of Cthulhu, which uh, about two years ago entered its 7th edition. Um, and since then, it's inspired uh, a bunch of settings and additional rule sets like Delta Green, Cthulhu Now... Uh, Cthulhu by Gaslight, the D20 conversion that Marchosius has behind him. Um, uh, Pulp, Cthulhu, uh, there's a lot of them. Um, it's also been adapted into a bunch of uh, other mediums, like video games. Uh, the more Most recently we had the Call of Cthulhu game by Cyanide, as well as Sinking City. Um, there was a Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu Dark Corners of the Earth game, which is based on Shadow over Innsmouth like we mentioned earlier. Uh, that came out in the late 90s, early two, early 2000s and it's very buggy, but it's a fun game. I might play it on
0: stream sometime if I can get it to actually work. <laughs> <laughs> um, then, then there's also yes. Mo- Modius's game. Oh no, we lost
2: Oh, I hit the wrong button I'll be right back.
1: Well, our cameras are a little screwed up for a minute. Sorry about that, folks. But uh, yeah. Um, the Mod- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, uh, uh,
0: Cthulhu Acton,
1: Cthulhu Acton as well. Um, and then, of course, there's a bunch of board games and card games that have come out. There's a Cthulhu card game. There's the ever-popular Arkham Horror board game that people have seen. Um, and then, of course, Sandy Peterson has his own game that he's published, uh, Cthulhu Wars, which is an incredibly expensive game if you haven't seen it. But it's a good one. Um, welcome back, Death Malkavian.
0: You know, Thank you me.
2: talked about some eldritch horror stuff, and I just went mad for a <laughs> minute.
1: <laughs> Thankfully, you popped back up in the proper position for our camera placement. Um, so, yeah, uh, Call of Cthulhu utilizes the basic role playing system, which, with the addition of a sanity system, and with seventh edition, the addition of a luck system. And then, it, so the basic, I'll. To go briefly on this, because I could dive into BRP a lot, because I actually it's my favorite dice mechanics. But um, it uses a percentile, so a D100 system. You roll two D10s, um, and you basically use that for all of your rolls, except for damage rolls on attacks. Um, your results can range from one to a hundred, and this which determines your success or failure. And your stats are um, on a scale of one to a hundred typically and you want to roll lower than your stats so if you and your stat your so your stats and your skills are a percentage um so if you have a art stat um and you have 75 in it you have a 75 percent chance of succeeding so if you roll your dice and it's under 75 you succeed so it, you want low is good, which is the reverse of right. a lot of other systems, except for when you're rolling damage, and then high is good, which is a little confusing, but we'll touch on that later. Um, that's another stream. Um, and then there's there's uh, critical success and critical failure. So if you roll like a one to something, it's a critical success, and if you roll ninety six to a hundred, it's a critical failure, and then there's bad effects and good effects that happen based on that. Um, it's like one to f- one to fifteen. Sorry, one to fifteen is a critical. So most of your stats, you have a baseline of fifteen. Um, so that's 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 pretty much the the basis. Um, the only skills that I would touch on beyond that is you have a uh, skill called Cthu- Methos rating,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which is how much you know about the Methos, and that. N- inversely affects your sanity so every time you put a dot into your mythos skill you lose a permanent sanity that you can never regain um and then sanity is rolled the same way so you start off with a a 99 sanity and then, as you get points in Mythos, that goes down. Um, you can also lose sanity from witnessing different horrific things. You could start with a slightly lower sanity for certain benefits. And then, Seventh Edition added a luck system, which works. It's interesting. Um, I would, so I, I would be
0: L U X or L U C K, like luck. L U C K.
1: I would honestly need almost an, an entire half of a stream to dive into the luck system because it's new and it does interesting things. So I'm just going to say. It adds a cool new mechanic to the game. Um,
0: We can we touch on? I want to go back to the the sanity system for a second. Yeah, Yeah, I'm gonna
1: actually break out my book for that because I have that system marked for to discuss. So go for it.
0: It, How does that impact um, your kind of like gameplay? The sanity system, not just like knowledgeable. I get the idea that it, it the more knowledgeable you are about the mythos um the more insane you are the mm-hmm. less score you have you go from probably a 99 to a 90 and so on and so forth so yep. the more you know about the mythos the crazy you are but how does that impact gameplay
1: so in gen so in general doesn't like you don't you don't you, you should I would ideally role play your characters slowly losing their grip on reality as their sanity goes down but it's more specific circumstances so yeah. when you have to when you have a sanity loss which is so kind of like um, triggers yes yeah. Um. so you would have a sanity so I would say roll your sanity and if you fail that roll you have a sanity loss sometimes regardless of whether you pass or fail you also have a sanity loss but that that's so that's very situational, um so what would happen is when you lose sanity uh depending on how much sanity you lose, I would tell you the, to have a reaction of some form you could simply you could literally just jump back in fright, cry out in terror, um you could have an involuntary reaction um you could attack or you could freeze in panic um and that can drastically affect the situation, especially if you're in combat. Um, Or trying to to be sneaky and you cry out in terror. Um, So there's an automatic involuntary visceral reaction when you lose sanity, which is one key piece to it. Um, But then if you lose five or more sanity from a single roll, there's actually a much larger effect. So this is called temporary insanity. And what happens with temporary insanity, and there's a whole... um, table for it but like you can actually have uh bouts of amnesia um violence paranoia you could faint um you could flee in panic um you could develop a phobia temporarily and some of these can be long-term too um as you lose more sanity there's an entire system for taking on uh bouts of madness and it's randomised. right yep and it's randomized you roll, you roll a you roll a d10 and there's a table and you can kind of base it off that and the, the book gives you there's a how many pages I, there's I felt like there was like
2: a hundred different arrangements in there at one point
1: oh yeah I mean there's a good fifteen pages just yeah. diving into the sanity system and how it, how to effectively use it in your game to shape how the investigators are interacting with the world.
0: Can't I can't help but to think about um. The Malkavian? And, I was uh, going to say,
2: um, even writing a character from a Malkavian, uh, I'll be playing in a future game. This was a gold mine.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, particularly in V5, where they didn't dive deeply into the yes. arrangement system. Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition can give you a lot of uh, flavor for how to uh, portray that in a tasteful way. Um, Evelion uh disappointed that the sanity system doesn't affect the game in a mechanical way. Um mm-hmm. I agree, but I, I appreciate that it's more of a situational effect. Um I ran you randomize it and it's like, well, you freeze in terror, or you can base it on how your character's personality works, and it's like, well, you, you just blindly attack. And that yeah. that in itself is a very mechanical effect on the game because it's going to completely change the scope of the scenario that you're in at the time.
0: Uh, sure. Yeah. Like you're, you're with your, you're with a group that's investigating, you know, something that's going on. I don't know. Let's just say you go to the docks. Let's be cliche about it. You, you go to the docks and you're investigating, you know, some kind of stone or, or trying to get to uh, yep. the guy that lives in the, the boathouse or what have you. Um, and there's some kind of strange creature that's, that's inside of the boat. And instead of running, you go to attack it when you essentially didn't want to, and this thing could overpower you. I mean, like, that; those types of things can probably happen with this. Exactly. Yeah,
2: and, you you know, in the experience I've had with the translation that they adapted into uh, a video game, which is on Switch, uh, PS4, probably Xbox and PC, Mm -hmm. um, you can – I can see this being a thing that happens on tabletop where – you have a moment of lapsed sanity. And it's not necessarily what your character does in the scene that will affect the scene. Sometimes that character can all of a sudden live um, a moment in time in their head that seems to span a very long time, which you've seen in um, at least some of the Lovecraftian writings I've read, like um, Dagon, where he's in a bad situation. Suddenly he's in a fantasy world in a landscape that's completely alien with structures that were made um, carved into mountains dedicated to old gods and things, you know, and uh, next thing you know, you wake up and you're in a taxi. You have no idea how you've gotten. (laughs) And um, the person who's driving it has like one eye and he's staring at you the entire time he's driving, but he's not hitting anything. And it's, those are the kind of things where you are having an issue with your sanity in the way that you no longer perceive reality in the way everyone else does. The storyteller is now taking you on a bizarre wild ride that your player character's mind is generating, or perhaps something from beyond your mind is generating to either inspire you into more madness or who knows, uh, you can have as much fun with that as you want. Um, You could be in a grocery store as a character, have a moment of sanity where you just fail on a simple check you're doing an investigating. You're trying to pick the best brand of tuna fish. You pick yep. up a packet. It's got Charlie the Tuna on it. Next thing you know, it reminds you of one of these fish guys that <laughs> you punched in the face at the docks when you were trying to find Billy Sue, the little girl who went missing your private eye. That Charlie the Tuna looks like one of those fishmen. And next thing you know, you're having a full-on freak-out panic attack in aisle two. And, uh, oh boy, there come the feds.
0: Yep. Exactly. It's really. It, it really kind of plays PTSD a little bit, Mm -hmm. which is really, I I think it's really interesting. I mean, that's one of the big things is that, you know, that fear of slowly losing your mind, um, but also putting you in, putting you in this kind of uh, a system of fear. uh, It's very cool.
1: It's great. No, it's (laughs) fantastic. It's a really good system. Um, And it's, it's inspired a lot of, additional supplements i mean uh cthulhu has been around for a really long time um and there's some really famous supplements and scenarios developed for it like uh, uh the dreamlands or the orient express well that's Del- delta greens an entirely separate game almost um yeah. it's more of like a military uh, government experience
2: experience it's like a vietnam movie. war thing right
1: um it could be vietnam you could make it more of like a um modern yeah what's the what were the government experiment experiments mk ultra mk you can make it more of like an mk ultra style yeah. game um no but I'm, I'm thinking more like the uh the scenarios that have been drafted for it like the there's game you can some of these scenarios take months to play if not years um horror on the Ori, orient express massive near totep which is my personal favorite beyond the mountains of madness which plays on the the lovecraft story um the mountains of at, madness. at the mountains of madness which is my personal favorite short story by him um so there's really good material out there um but before we really dive into the lore uh the the dice system itself like, like you, there's a, definitely ways to leverage the effects of sanity in the game um i did want to go give a brief overview of the stats and the skills like how the how the game is set up like how you would build a character as well because that that actually plays into how sanity works in the game um anyone who's played any of the call of cthulhu board games or card games knows that like the character the investigator you play and the, the your job or your uh career path kind of affects how what how you, your sanity balances so Call of Cthulhu is kind of based on um, different. It's very different from Dungeons and Dragons or Vampire. So you you have stats kind of like you do in Dungeons and Dragons: strength, constitution, size, dexterity, appearance, intelligence, power, and education. Power being kind of like willpower. Um, and all of those are based on a um, one to a hundred scale for the players. And you kind of you 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 roll them but they're not as important as the skills i'm not going to list all the skills obviously um and then so you also have an occupation so occupation is kind of like class um it's also like the archetype archetype in cult so you would pick your um you could be an antiquarian you could be an athlete you could be an entertainer a journalist, journalist, yep. A, uh, a librarian, a, a police detective, a uh, private you investigator. A,
2: you can even be a cultist,
1: if I recall. You can be you could be a you could be a zealot. Um, that's one of the yes. listed ones. So you could be a religious zealot. You can be a cultist, but that gets a little weird. um
0: The cultists one thing in I, this in this game are kind of adversaries, right?
1: Yeah, it, usually they're usually considered to be bad guys. Yeah. Um, and for modern games, you could be a hacker. or the, So they have rules for both, like, the 1920s setting and the modern setting. Um, but your occupation affects how much money you start with, and it also gives you a certain number of skill points to start with. Yes. Um, and then it, there's general, like, character creation assistance that they give you and equipment and things like that. But then it really just dies into assigning. So the character sheet is... Uh, oh! Uh, sorry, one more thing I want to say is that uh, you select an age and your age range actually affects your abilities. So it'll affect your stats and your skills, which is interesting. It's just the only system I've seen that really uses age as a meaningful um, stat. Yes. But the character sheet gives you your stats, um, you have a move rating. Uh, this is a game that definitely benefits from having miniatures on a map sometimes because there's a lot of moving around in... Co- when you, when, Call of Cthulhu is a game that you typically don't want to get into combat because you're probably going to die. But mm-hmm. if you do, having miniatures and a map and a layout is incredibly helpful because then you can avoid dying for as long as possible.
0: As, as far as I understand, and I've only, I've only played you know, admittedly one Call of mm-hmm. Cthulhu game, um, but as far as I understand, there's a lot of tangibles that are involved in this game that are different than other games. Um a lot of people oh, incorporate yeah. like printouts and letters yep. and that kind of yep. stuff.
1: It's one of the, it's one of the tabletop games that uses um props more heavily than any other game. Um for me uh at planning a Call of Cthulhu streamed game, that's actually been an interesting thing I'm trying to deal with cuz typically I would use props for Call of Cthulhu. I would use, you know, when you find a letter from a a cultist wrote to another I would give you the letter um, or maybe you find like a ceremonial item so trying to figure out how to translate that onto stream is interesting because I don't want to just like hold it up and show it that's weird um, but like, then like how do, do I use roll 20 or do I use another system so, You screen, know,
0: I, screen share of graphics or something yeah. yeah
2: or you could put a link to a uh, Dropbox that's just for the show for people to mm-hmm. download the PDF that was handed out and they could see it for themselves that'd be
1: kind of cool yeah, so that th- that is an interesting factor of the game because I love uh, you know um, vampire to me is very much theater of the mind. Call of Cthulhu is very much a dinner theater. Um, I like to hand things out. I like to pass them around and show you the props and the letters that are handed out, and I use all those physical items. So
0: I believe uh, it was um uh who was it from Jackalope that that. Put together this this really impressive Matthew Webb Matt Webb. I, it might have been Matthew Webb that put together this really impressive, um, like Call of Cthulhu um, Necronomicon.
1: That was Matt Webb. <laughs> yeah, <it> looked <laughs> awesome. Anything leatherworking is probably Matt Webb. Yeah, it's, it was amazing. <laughs> it, was, it was beautiful. Um, so so yeah, there's a lot of tangibles in Call of Cthulhu. Um, but there's I, also go
2: ahead. I was gonna say I love um. You know, it's easy to get off the track of, um, you know, people who are not as familiar with Lovecraft or tabletop role-playing games. The draw for this game, if you've never been introduced to it, you're not familiar with any of these concepts, is that the style and feel of the game is that you are a kind of like an explorer. No matter what archetype you are, it is a noir detective-style game. Um, And... It's a. It's typically always a mystery that you're trying to solve. And That's... yeah, th- I think that whole vibe and feel is something you don't get in a, really any of the other tabletop role-playing games, which makes it unique. Now, the fact that you have all these interesting cultists and this lore that you could just fall into, uh, you know, to take a deep dive with, it. Uh, it's got so much to offer.
1: That was the thing I was going to touch on. Is that um, the way I approach the game? Uh, you create your character and you have uh, your occupation, and then uh, I go through with each player and I say, "So what? What is the w- w- reason your character cares about these yes. other, this uh, this mystery? Um, what experience have they had in the past that drove them to become fascinated with the occult or?" Um, these monsters, or the or, the strange conspiracy theories that are happening in their hometown, or the cult, or you know, researching cultist activity. What? Yeah. Give me that one hook.
2: And it could just be that there is a cr- solved, and they get in over their head. They might have have yep. any idea that any of this is actually happening, mm-hmm. and suddenly they're in a world of trouble.
1: Exactly, uh, or. You know, uh, I had one player once who's just said he's not, but um, his sister is missing. She disappeared yeah. randomly and he's looking into her disappearance and he's following every lead. And I was like, OK, fantastic. That's that is what I need.
0: What would be for, for the people that are watching that may not be familiar with what a, a Call of yeah. Cthulhu game essentially would be like what's in a nutshell, you know, what's a, a Call of Cthulhu um campaign what is it what essentially is it an overview so you know beginning middle and and end what, what what are we looking yeah. at here like so example
1: in call of cthulhu you play you you your character is called an investigator and that it is an investigative game you are investigating a mystery uh the mystery is typically something involving the cthulhu mythos so um if i was going to run a one-shot specifically so something that has that clear-cut beginning middle end um Typically, it would start off with a hook and the players and the investigators would be invited to a place or asked to look into a specific occurrence. So maybe it's a haunting, maybe it's a, um, a missing person, or maybe it's um, trying to retrieve a lost item and then so then the investigators come together and they embark on this mission and they start looking into whatever the case is and investigating it um and then typically things will go sideways at some point in that so uh, either they will discover the mystery and uh, be in way over their head and all of a sudden because it's an actual cult or there's an uh, elder god involved or star spawn or night gaunts um And then it, and then the end is usually them either trying to extract themselves from this nightmare situation they got themselves into, or it's them trying to still resolve the investigation despite it um, and come out of it alive. So there's a lot of my favorite. There's a very, very, very famous uh, Call of Cthulhu scenario, which is about a haunted house and the investigators are called in and they go into the house and they're looking into things and um everything seems to be fine and normal and then as they and then as they're investigating the house and as the night goes on things start to go get a little weird and uh you know objects start to move and then there's a really famous scene where they'll they'll go into the bedroom of the house and after they after people are in the bedroom, suddenly the door slams shut and the bed starts to move, and the bed flies across the room. And if they don't pass their dodge rolls or whatever, the bed hits them and sends them flying out the window and kills them. Like it specifically says, like <laughs> do enough damage to kill that person. It's like okay, <laughs> like that's
0: what so happens. What, 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 so what happens? So if if there's let's just say you're midway in a game, second session, you killed your character. What do you do? Um,
1: so my recommendation to anyone who plays Call of Cthulhu is typically create two
0: characters. Yeah, <laughs>
1: create two characters. Have the second one waiting. You you might need it session one. You might need it session thirty. Is but you're. Your... Going to need that character
0: when the, when the twin comes in. Like, hey, it's the same person. Only yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I literally had that
1: situation happen. Someone turned around, changed like <clears throat> got a couple stats on their character sheet, and handed it back to me. And they're like, "It's his twin brother." And I was like, "You know what? I'm going to let that run because of exactly <laughs> where we are in this game right now. So it's fine." Um,
2: awesome. So, big big tip. If this applies to any role playing game, your character dies. They're like, "Sorry, pal." And they're like, you know, I'll look it at the door. You take your cell phone. You call a pizza. Now you have to be there.
0: <laughs> write up a new character.
2: Everyone thanks you for the pizza. The storyteller lets you get away with a bunch of crazy stuff. You're back in the action.
1: Yep. Yep. Um. But yeah, so, so that, that that scenario I was describing is called the Corbett House. Uh, it's a very famous one. But I definitely recommend Def Cavian strategy. Order a pizza because everyone appreciates that. I take
2: my, all my life lessons from Dana DeVito.
1: <laughs> That's actually a pretty good person to take life lessons from. This is why so, he
0: carries. Never mind. Never mind. Continue. I know where you were going with that. <laughs>
1: uh, anyway, so yeah, I honestly, I legitimately, when I'm when I start a car- call, Cthulhu campaign, I just, I'm like, create a character, draft up a second one, (laughs) because you're probably going to die. I had characters who died to the most innocuous thing at one point. I was running a one game, and I was actually running the Mask of Nyarlathotep scenario, and people... I was doing a one-shot, like, in the middle, because I like to, when I'm running masks specifically uh, or any of the other longer-form ones, I like to mix in random side adventures just to keep it fresh because some people have read it and they know it. So I like to keep things interesting. Um, and it was one of those. And I was just making up this thing about this artist, and they were investigating. He was weird, and they, they noticed him, and there were some rumors of, like, people going missing in the area. So and So they're like, well, maybe it's the artist. So they were looking into the artist. And he lived in this house with his mother and the mother was really weird too. So they got, they managed to talk their way into the house because they wanted to see his art. So he invites them up to his attic, which is where he paints and he was showing them his art and he's talking to them. And I I described the art to them briefly. And, but you know, they're engaging with him. And then one of the, two of the characters were like, Oh, I want to look at the art more. And I was like, okay. And they're like, I'm really going to like, so I, I'm, like, talking them through some of the different paintings and describing them, and they, I get to one. It's like, it's, this one's interesting. It's a little different than the rest. And, you know, it's you're looking at this painting of almost like a swamp, and there's some uh, snakes and some lizard creatures and beautiful birds, and the colors are gorgeous, very vibrant. Um, it, it, It's just so – it just pops out at you, and it's very realistic. And they got entranced by it. Um, And the one character – one player was like, "Well, I'm just I'm, I want to take in everything about this painting. I want to study it." I was like, "Just 'cause yeah, I want to like talk to the artist about it." I was like, "Okay, so how long do you spend staring at?" And he was like, "Oh, like ten, fifteen minutes." I'm like, "Cool. Uh, roll. Uh, just give me a power check." And he did, and he failed it. And I was like, "All right, um, you get sucked into the painting." He was like, "Wait, what?" And I was like, "Yeah, you get pulled. You literally get. It's a, the painting is a portal to another plane of existence, and you get pulled into it." He was like. Oh shit! How do I get back? And I was like, so I start describing the scene. He's in the swamp now, and I describe everything to him. And he's like, "All right, so I like, is there a portal? Is there another portal that I can go through?" And I was like, "You don't see anything." <laughs>
2: so
1: like, That's amazing. So, so what happened?
2: You paint a picture of where you were.
1: Uh, so I, I basically like you can what you wander around for months, uh, you know, surviving off the land as well as you can, and you can't find anything and he died like i was like like i described it in like five minutes but i was like your character is dead he's trapped there and he's dead and they were like what the hell and i was like <laughs> it's not a it's not a hard roll to pass he just happened to phenomenally fail it and i was like you're dead <laughs> sorry so
0: roll out gonna... that
1: new character <laughs>
0: I thought you were going to take it and have him play the rest of the game in the painting world where everybody I, else is actually, like, playing the adventure.
1: <laughs> I offered. I was like, I will play it out and see how long you survive if you want. And he's like, nah, I want to play a new character. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, uh, he, like, pulled out his new character sheet. And he was like, introduce me when it's convenient. And I was like, all right, I will do that. That's
0: the thing. Like, I mean, the thing about Call of Cthulhu and other games like this um, that are brutal to the PC, if the PC's brutal with it. um, Like Vampire, you know, obviously there's some some STs that'll kill your character, but for yeah. the most part, you can kind of expect your character to probably not die if you don't, you know, completely fuck up. But with with of yeah, Cthulhu, on, yeah, absolutely. we call it Cthulhu, mortality is a big part of this game. Oh, yeah. Well,
2: I mean, one thing that's cool in tabletop role-playing games is if you die, if you have a really cool death, kind of worth it.
1: <laughs> it's absolutely worth it. So I can I can think of a really good example from a, a V twenty game we played. It. <laughs> can you? Oh yeah, it was a it was a badass death. Well, kind of. It was just very hand waved.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'd love to get into that sometime. That's a fun story.
1: Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to actually play that character again. You anyway both. i have as an npc um so call of cthulhu back to call of cthulhu not vampire um the lore so i'm gonna i'm gonna try to truncate this we, we we are running a little short on time this evening but so call of cthulhu is based on the work of hb lovecraft um but it's also very heavily inspired by other writers that helped shape the Cthulhu mythos over the decades. Um, August Derleth, Robert Bloch, Clark Ashen Smith, Robert E. Howard, who was famous for Conan the Barbarian, but he was actually a friend of H.P. Lovecraft. Um, Frank Belknap-Long, Fritz Lieber, Stephen King, Alan Moore, Clive Barker. Uh, they've all contributed to the Cthulhu mythos in their own way. Um, and that's one thing that's very impressive about the the legacy of H.P. Lovecraft, that is that he really developed this concept, and then other authors, with his permission, just ran with it.
0: Especially with Clark Ashton Smith. I mean, that's one of the things that Lovecraft did, is created seeds of stories, um, seeds of lore. Yep. And, and he wasn't as—and if you haven't read H.P. Lovecraft— you think it would be you know long arduous pages of descriptions of these you know like tentacled creatures um a lot of that was from clark ashton horror. smith what's that
1: no he was more like indescribable horror yeah yeah,
0: yeah especially like like the nameable is is the best example of like i can't quite explain yeah. it but it was scary and dark and i couldn't see <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like clark ashton smith really took and added a complexity to the Cthulhu mythos that included, you know, um, the whole elements of different, you know, different uh, factions of gods that equated to oh, yeah. different elements and everything else. But like a lot of the, you know, uh, oh, gosh, who who is who is that writer? Uh, it Years, years later, um, I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, oh, gosh, the it's like the Cthulhu um, Sherlock Holmes stories.
1: Neil Gaiman. The study in yep, Emerald yep. that was Neil Gaiman.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, but it was that was like very deep into like detailing mm-hmm. some of the the insane monsters and everything else. But like Lovecraft took a seed that so many different writers ran with. I mean, even pe- yep. even Poppy Zebright has a really cool story that that feels very very Lovecraftian. That like gets oh, yeah. really deep um, yeah. into the descriptions. But but like Lovecraft kind of was like, okay, here's a framework, and here's some some seeds and some interesting things that you could kind of take with it. And all these writers kind of took it and made it their own. Yeah, exactly. And that, which is that,
2: really the best thing about being a, a storyteller who was able to give that kind of gift to the world. Um, exactly. You know,
1: here, here, here are the seeds. I want to watch what you do with it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And then there, there's a lot of uh, contemporary authors who have done fantastic work with. H.P. Lovecraft's work. Uh, for example, um, we uh, we obviously touched on how he's a problematic writer and he's a bit racist. Um, but there are a bunch of people of color who have taken his stories and advanced them and removed that from it and kept the same theme, which is fantastic. Good night, Niva Vala. Um, the, the Ballad of Black Tom Um, who I'm actually blanking on the author's name right now. And I feel bad about that is a fantastic short story. Um, And then there's also Lovecraft country that's being adapted into a movie by Hmm. uh, who, who made get out Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele. Thank you. Uh, So Jordan Peele. uh, So Lovecraft country and battle of black Tom are amazing
0: stories. By the
1: way, did Ballad of black Tom. Thank you. Um, amazing stories written from the, the black male perspective so uh adding that something that is very much missing from lovecraft's work back into it and still keeping that terror um the cosmic horror and the the fear of the other in there
0: I highly suggest picking up and reading um providence by alan moore yep um there's a also no- fantastic it's one is probably one of my favorite comics of all time. I mean, Mm -hmm. anything Alan Moore does is gold, but um, it's, it it comes, it's from the perspective uh, of a gay man. Um, Mm -hmm. And it, it's kind of like, I like to describe it as a, a kind of a little like tour of all of Lovecraft's work.
1: Yep. Absolutely. um, and then today, uh, writers like Mark Morrison, who works very heavily in in the Chaosium system, he worked on Horror of the Orient Express. He was the main writer for uh, Pax Australis, which is a um, Call of Cthulhu supplement based in Australia. So adding in a lot of the um, folklore from Australia and putting that back in there is a fantastic... There's so much rich storytelling going on in the Call of Cthulhu world that you can draw inspiration for it, from it for any game you're running. D&D, Vampire, uh, Chronicles of Darkness settings, you can pull so much interesting stuff for it, which is why I did my V5 Providence by Night game as Lovecraftian. I wanted to pull those elements of horror into it.
0: Like to see it the, I'd like to I'd like to see it the other way around too right like oh um, yeah taking taking a, a call of cthulhu game that might start off like a call of cthulhu game and really turn into a holy shit it's a zemisi.
1: mm oh yeah it could definitely do things of that nature um certain aspects of vampire wouldn't quite fit but you could definitely work famori and zemisi and um lupines in general mage mage is a very lovecraftian game if Love you do mage. it that way <laughs> i know you do um but yeah i i, I want to um open up the floor if anyone has any questions about yeah bali cultists absolutely tobias uh if anyone has any questions about call of cthulhu what what are the like the if you if you're not familiar with call of cthulhu like what do you want to know about the system um we could talk about like the differences between the books the the tabletop books and the actual work of H.P. Lovecraft because there's some there are some key differences between them um for example they do a very good job of removing some of the troublesome aspects of Lovecraft's work from the Call of Cthulhu tabletop game um you don't really pick up on those aspects of racism that are present in some of his writing They've done a very good job of isolating what makes Lovecraft's work truly terrifying mm-hmm. um, from the horror perspective and broadening it and giving you a fantastic framework to build a horror story in. Um I can I can't think of a better s- setting or system to craft a game that truly makes you scared for your character um, and
0: worried about their chances of survival. I kinda go yeah, back to the, the mortality thing. Yep.
2: Yeah, and not only the uh danger from without, but the danger from within from your character losing their mind their perspective, their control of their self, exactly. their ability to even live in the same world they used to before mm-hmm. without being thrown into an asylum
1: exactly and that that's something we didn't touch on is like what happens when your character drops to you know zero sanity um, it's kind of like humanity in vampire when you drop to zero humanity, you lose control of your character, your character becomes a white, and they're no longer a vampire they're a just uncontrollable beast. beast, and you literally, the, as a storyteller, you take the player's character sheet and you say, "I'm sorry, your character is going to be put down. They're going to probably go on a rampage and kill as many people as possible, and then someone is going to kill them." Um, and you could, you should, you should play that out, but effectively, that's what happens. Um, it's similar in Call of Cthulhu when you reach zero sanity, your character either. Goes mad and goes on a rampage, and then is killed, or um, kills himself, or it, any number of terrible things happens to them.
0: But so they eff- turn into that that axe murderer from uh, In the Mouth of Madness. Yep. Have you read? Eff- effectively,
1: <laughs> have you have you read Sutter Kane? <laughs> I
0: love them. <laughs> um, but effectively, that character story is done yeah. at that point. I'm gonna get going soon, guys. Mm-hmm. No, I think this is a good place to stop. So,
1: yeah, let us know. Um, reach out on Twitter at Gehenna Gaming or drop uh, drop into Facebook if that's your jam, and we're uh, Gehenna Games on Facebook. And let us know if you have any questions about Call of Cthulhu or if you're interested in playing in a Call of Cthulhu game, because we will be running a Call of Cthulhu game on our stream. In a couple months, uh, probably right around the same time we start up our cult game, I will be running a very, very unique Call of Cthulhu campaign. Let me just say it that way. Um, So, if you're, if you, or just if you have questions and want to know more about it, I'd I'd love to chat with you about it. It's a very, very personal game for me. I'm very passionate about Call of Cthulhu. I will talk about it. I would, if my job was to work for Chaosium. i don't even care if i they paid me like a dollar a (laughs) day um but or hop into our discord uh you can i'm gonna drop the link in here now but you can pop into discord and chat with us about call of cthulhu to your heart's content i'd be happy to answer any questions you have about it or um give you ideas if you do run call of cthulhu games but that is it for us tonight rest
0: well have a good night guys thanks for tuning in Thank you for listening to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast. Your attention has been noted. You can find us online at GehennaGaming.com, on Twitter at GehennaGaming, Twitch.tv slash GehennaGaming, and Patreon.com slash GehennaGaming. And remember, No Eeyah, yeah. for target.